All right, friends, um, I have to, a question to kind of start us off. Have you ever heard of the phrase, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know? There's the one. It, you have one hiccup right at the start, and then that's it. So it's okay, we're moving on. But have you ever heard of the phrase, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know? Ever heard that? Okay. Um, typically, that phrase is more used whenever, like, you're looking for, like, a job. You know, if you have the plug, like, somewhere, it's all about who you know, not what you know. Um, if you're trying to get in a specific place, it's just, this phrase is used a lot. Um, well, I have a story to tell, and I'm, I was hesitant on sharing it because I, like, the, the background in it is I, I did something that I should not do. I shouldn't have done it, and I'm not recommending that you guys do it either, but it's a great illustration for what we're trying to talk about. So um, I went to go see a movie last month um, in theaters, and where I went to go see it was at an AMC, and they actually had a curfew where if it is after 8 o'clock, if you're under 18, you're not allowed to be there unless you're with a chaperone. That's over 21. Um, I went there to go see a movie with my dad. Like my dad, we, him and I were meeting like kind of in the middle. And so um, I, I'm walking in, I'm, I'm late. And this guy stops me and he says, hey, can you like pretend to be my older brother so we can go in and see a movie? At the time I was like, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, sure. I mean, like, I don't know how, I've never done this before. I've never asked someone to, to be like, a, like the person that, who's able to do this. And so I was like, I don't know what this means, but sure, we'll figure it out. Hey, if we're gonna play the story, if you're gonna say that I have to be your brother, what's your name, just in case they ask? He said, my name's Zay. And I said, all right, Zay, how do you spell it? Just in case. He, he spelled it, I think it was just Z-A-Y. So Zay and I, we go through the, like inside the, the AMC place, and I go pick up my tickets, and he says he has to go buy his tickets. And so the cashier lady and stuff um, was then like asking questions and she was like, hey, so is this your, like, your chaperone? He's like, yeah, this is my brother. I was like, oh, cool. And then I was like, yeah, hey, Zay. and I actually literally had a name tag. It was the week of Summer Blast. Like, it was like our VBS. I had my name tag that had printed out saying like I'm like background safety safe and everything. And I'm like trying to rip it off because I'm just like, it's a dork thing. And then I'm like, ah, oh, man, I can't get it. Hey, Zay, can you get it for me? So this man, I met him two minutes ago, is taking my name tag off. And I was like, hey, can you throw it away? So we got really close. But here's the thing. Um, he, he makes it in. He has to see the same movie that I'm seeing. And so we go see, it was the Thor movie. Uh, we, we go see Thor and I walk in and I sit next to my dad and I kind of am telling him the story. And so I'm, I'm explaining the whole thing and he's like, you convinced someone that you're, you know, someone else was a brother. And then they walk up and they sit in the row right behind me. And so like we had like the, the wave or anything and my dad, he looks at me, he's like, that's the person you convinced that was your brother? I was like, yeah. He said, he's black. How did you convince them that he was your brother? I was like, no, no, no. It's like we had an awesome story and everything, but I kid you not. I was able to, we, I, again, I'm not condoning this as this is what you do. I'm saying, hey, here's what happened. This guy needed help, and so I helped him, and we went and saw a movie together. I could have, honestly, if I wanted to, I probably could have had him like pay for my ticket or maybe even get some popcorn or candy or something out of it, but here's what happened. Like, he needed help, and he couldn't do anything about it, and I helped him. And I did it with, and I got nothing in return at all. And the reason why I, I, I start with the story is because, uh, honestly, like it is a, a very similar 
situation when it comes to kind of like our spiritual stuff. And it's like, I'm going to like make that pivot and just be like, guys, like when it comes to the things that uh, our soul, like deep down, what we long for, the things that we need, like when it comes to eternity, when it comes to heaven, things like that, like we can't get there on our own. We are helpless and we are by ourselves and we need help from someone who has no reason why to help us except for that they wanted to. And tonight, uh, the message is we're really going to just kind of talk about really how great and how cool and how really the, the center of everything is really all about God. And we're going through this series called just Colossians, where we're just going through the book of the Colossians. And so if you have a Bible either on your phone or you have like a paperback, um, we're going to be in Colossians chapter one. Um, and the, oh, and also, I, I don't know if I said this, but if you don't have it, it will be up on the screen and stuff just so you can kind of follow along. Um, but we're going to be in Colossians chapter one. And it's really fun when we're just kind of going through just a, a passage of scripture because we just kind of go into it and we're just going to be like, hey, what does this say? Like, I'm not going to have any kind of preconceived notion of what does this passage say. I'm just going to, we're going to read the Bible and then it's my job to kind of tell you what it says. And so when I was studying and when I was prepping for this, like literally, like I just read this and I'm just like, that's kind of a big deal. Like that's like, if you read just these couple verses, we're just supposed to read it and just be like, God's pretty cool. And so we, our big uh, idea for the night, the whole sermon, like the, what these couple verses are going to talk about, the big idea is this, God is awesome. It's literally as simple as that. I've had more complicated big ideas, uh, ideas and everything like that. It's just literally this, God is awesome. The whole sermon can be boiled down to this one sentence that God is awesome. And we're going to see that in Colossians chapter 1, um, reading verses 9 through 14. Um, but bef uh, before we go through there, I just want to kind of let you know what we talked about last week. Um, Colossians is a letter written, uh, written from this guy named Paul to this church that he didn't even plant. Um, he's in prison while he's writing this letter. And this letter is literally, um, it has like, the greeting, it has an intro, it has a body, like where it has like the paragraphs and it has a closing. I mean, so it's a real letter written by a real person to a real people. And then inside of it is all just them trying to, Paul trying to correct this church. Hey, you guys are drifting this way. Hey, come back over here. Hey, you guys are going this and you're not supposed to do it. Hey, let's come over here. And so it's literally a perfect verse or a perfect book for us to read because the further and further away, I mean, we're 2,000 years apart from this, the further and further away that we get from, you know, the, the birth of Jesus, the easier it is to kind of drift away from it. And so we have to keep going back to the Bible to be like, hey, what was the original message? And let's make sure that we're sticking to this so that we're not going to drift too far. We're going to stay with what the original message had to be. And so last week, uh, we kind of read the first part. We read the greeting and the introduction or, or the par first part of the introduction where this intro is literally this prayer that Paul is praying for this church. And the first, like verses three through eight is literally Paul just thanking God for all the cool stuff that they've done and that have done um, and are still doing. Like we were talking about how uh, like Paul was super thankful and grateful for the things they were doing, but then this church was marked by how they loved each other, and then they were hopeful, like they were expectant for what was going to happen, and then they were also, they had this hope grounded um, in the gospel, which is the word of God, the truth that Jesus came and died, and because of that, they were changed, and they went and told other people. And so that was all last week, and so uh, this week, starting in verse 9, um, this is the end of this introduction, 
It's still a prayer that Paul's praying for these people, but the first part was a prayer of thanksgiving, and this part is a prayer of what's called like intercession, where it's like, hey, I'm going to pray for these things for you on your behalf. And so with that, let's get into uh, Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9. We're going to read the whole passage, which is 9 through 14. This is what it says. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And so tonight, like you, just reading that, we're just going to talk about how awesome God is. And there's five specific things I, I want to kind of share with you of five different things that God has for us about himself through this thing. So the first thing that we have is God's will. Point number one, God's will. And we're going to look at specifically verse 9. And so Colossians 1.9, going back to the top, it says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So this key thing, and I'd like to lead this up, is asking, like, hey, Paul's praying. I want you guys to be filled with the knowledge of his will. And this word filled um, is specifically, like in, in the Greek, like what this is talking about is it's kind of specifically being like, I want you to have the fullest knowledge possible. Or another part is being like, I want you to be completely certain on what the will of God is. Like, have you ever asked or wondered, like, what does God, what's God's will? Like, what does God want me to do? What does God want us to do? If you've ever asked, like, man, like, what is the will of God? Paul is praying hey, I want you guys to comp be completely certain and know without a shadow of a doubt what God's will is. And so there's two different things when it comes to the will of God, okay? Um, it's kind of God's will is, is split up in two different parts. There's what's called the general will of God and the specific will of God. And this passage is not talking about the specific will of God. This isn't going to explain who you should ask out. This isn't going to explain where should you work. This isn't going to explain what, where you should go for college or what degree you should get. You know, this isn't, like, those things are called the specific will of God. Like, you're not going to find that reading scripture. You know, you're not going to read Colossians and come to the end and be like, oh my gosh, I am supposed to ask her out. Like, that's not what Colossians, that's not what's going to happen, Okay. What's going to happen is this is not talking about, this is talking about the general will. Like, what is every believer, every Christian from 2,000 years ago to now, what are we all supposed to know? What are we all supposed to do? And this is what Paul wants them to know. And simply, this is what it is. This is the will of God. What does God want every single person in this room? If you are a Christian, this is what God wants you to know fully and certainly. And it's what he wants you to do is this, like, who is Jesus? And, and I'm sorry, I don't have this written down, but this is, this is kind of simply this. It's like, who Jesus, like, is? Like, why is he a big deal? The whole Messiah word, all the things from the Old Testament pointing to it, like, who is Jesus? Why he came? Why it matters? How we can be a part of it? And how we're supposed to invite other people into it? That's the will of God. What every single person in this room is invited to is we are called to know, hey, who is God? Who is Jesus? 
Why does it matter? Like what happened on the cross and what should we do about it? And how can we invite other people to join in the party? And that is the will of God. Like, I don't want to, like, make it into something that it's not. But here's the thing. Like, this is the whole reason why we exist. The reason why this space is used to do this every single week is because of, like, God's will. The whole point of, like, why we sing, the reason why we spend our weeks, the reason why we do everything, the reason, like, everything we do is so that we can know God We can know what happened on the cross. We can know how we are supposed to take part in that and how we are supposed to invite other people into it. That's the whole thing. And that is why we exist. And so when you think about it, like this is why like reading the Bible is so important because the only way that we can really know more about God and what happened on the cross and all the fancy words that people go to college and stuff for, like the whole point of that is so that we can know God more. And Paul, he's praying this for these people. He's like, hey, I want you guys to know the will of God. And I'm going to take a side note before we go to the second thing. Is, has anyone ever kind of, you don't have to raise it, but has anyone ever actually wondered like, well, what does God want me to specifically do? Like, has anyone ever wondered like, what is this God's specific will for my life? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to eat for breakfast? Like, you know, like all the things like that, like, Why, why would God share more stuff with you, like specific things like of his will for your life, if we aren't being obedient with what he has shown us? Okay? Like why would God share more with you of like where to go, what to do, and things like that if we haven't already been obedient with what he has shown us already? Like, if God has already shown us, hey, we're going to know God, we're going to know why he came, what's the whole point, our part in it, and how we're supposed to invite other people into it. If we're not being obedient in doing that, why would God share more with us? Like, let's be obedient with what he has shown us before we start expecting all the other stuff, okay? So it keeps going, Um, and because Paul, he's praying, he's talking about how awesome God is because of his grand plan. And then he says that he wants us to know Jesus so that we can get to work. Okay, so point number two, God's work. This is in verse 10, God's work. It says, like, hey, I want you to know God's will so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. This is verse 10, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And you're like, hey, know God, increase in knowing God, Know his plan, know he wants for the world so that you can live your life like it. And here's the, here's the biggest thing, friends. Like, you have to pick up on the order that he's sharing this. He's sharing this in a specific order. He's sharing this in like, hey, you gotta know God first. You have to be a Christian first before you start doing Christian things. I have shared this so many times. Guys, like, not just like in the world, like, don't pretend to be something that you're not. Do not pretend to be something that you're not, especially when it comes to Christianity, okay? And I've I've shared this weeks after weeks after weeks, like, what is a Christian? A Christian is a person who has uh, given everything to God, both hands open, whatever you want, God, it's all yours. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. I've placed faith that when he died on the cross, he was paying for my sins. I believe he died, was buried, and he rose again from the dead. And he is the Lord of my life. That is a Christian. 
You are not a, you're not born a Christian. You're not a Christian because your parents are Christian. You're not a Christian because you go to church or you go to the bridge, bless you. You're not a Christian because you've been baptized. You're not a Christian because of anything else except for having faith that Jesus is really who he is and that he is the Lord of your life. And so that is what a Christian is, but it says, hey, so now that you know, now go do. Now you can do the Christian things. It's, it's honestly um, kind of the, the best thing to kind of compare it to is being like, hey, Christians act like Christians. This is what it's saying. Hey, so walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. If you're a Christian, act like a Christian. I say this uh, like every now and then, um, like usually honestly when we're only playing nine square, but I say like, hey, kings do king things. Um, if you have like a family where they really take their last name like really seriously and you do something wrong, your parents like said like, hey, Joneses don't do that. We, Joneses don't act like that. We don't do that. Whatever it is, like, hey, like whatever your, your last name is, like maybe you don't know what that's like, but it's literally, it's the similar thing. Hey, kings do king things. Christians do Christian things. Not you do Christian things to be a Christian. There's a passage in Ephesians chapter two that literally to summarize this, summarizes this perfectly. And Paul literally wrote these two letters back to back as he was in prison at the same time. And so Ephesians chapter two, uh, starting in verse eight, um, we're gonna read eight, nine, and 10. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. This is saying, hey, when you are saved, if you are a Christian, if you believe that Jesus really was who he said is, you have faith, that faith is a gift. The grace to be saved is a gift. And so the reason why that it's grace through faith is so that way if it was based off of our works, then you will always find someone you compare yourself to that's either better or worse than you. Like, you are not a Christian because of all the things that you do. You're a Christian because of grace through faith. Because, check it like this. If, like, who are we comparing ourselves to? Like, what things, like, if, if it's all about doing Christian things, if your salvation, your being a Christian is based off of Christian things, then what happens when you don't do those Christian things anymore? If you're supposed to like, read your Bible every day, if, if you don't read your Bible on a certain day, what happens? If you're basing being a Christian off of reading the Bible and you don't read the Bible a certain day, then you think, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm not a Christian anymore because I, I didn't read my Bible this morning. Or like, oh, I didn't go to church on Sunday. I'm not a Christian anymore. Or, or oh my gosh, I go to church on Sunday. I'm a Christian. Oh, I read my Bible, so I'm a Christian. No, it's not about works because if it was about works, then you would have things to brag about. This is literally saying it's not about work so that when we, are, when we die and we get to spend eternity in heaven, we're not being like, look what I did. We get to be like, hey, look what Jesus did. The whole point is to, so that, like this whole passage is so that God gets all of the credit because God is awesome. But here's the thing. It says it's by grace we've been saved, not a result of work so that no one can boast. But then it goes on into verse 10. For we are his workmanship, meaning we're made to do works. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And again, notice the order. Saved by grace, not by works. Through faith, not by works. No one's going to brag whenever we die and we end up in heaven because it's by God and God and God alone. But now that you've been saved, now get to work. And that is the order. You're a Christian first and then act like a Christian. 
It's not about cleaning your act up to be good enough to be a Christian. That's not it. It's all about grace through faith. But now, if you're a Christian, act like a Christian. And so, if you're not a Christian in the room and you don't even care, you're not a Christian and you don't even really want to be, I'm glad you're here. For real. Like, we want this to be a place where you can make friends and you can have fun in a safe place. But if you are not a Christian and you want to be, you can do that tonight. You can literally talk to your small group leader and they would love to show you what it means. And if you are a Christian, what are you going to do tonight or tomorrow? What are you going to do this week to walk and talk and act like a Christian? What do you need to do this week? What work do you need to do this week if you are a Christian? And here's the thing, though. Like, being a Christian and and doing Christian things is really uncomfortable. Like, I don't want to sugarcoat it and pretend to be something that's not, like, walking and talking like a Christian. It means sometimes you're not going to get invited to certain parties or you're not going to be invited to hang out with certain people. It means that you might get maybe, like, made fun of, being like, oh, you do this because you're a Christian. Oh, you don't do this because you're a Christian or whatever it is, like, It's weird and it's uncomfortable. Like Paul, because he was literally doing this, is in prison because he was a Christian. And so, check this out. If it's all about God from start to finish, God's like, hey, here's my plan. Here's what I want you to do. But I know you need some help. And so point number three, God's power. God's power. Look at this. Because it says, hey, walk like a Christian. And then verse 11 says, being strengthened with all power according to his, talking about God's glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Like, if you have ever said no to a person or to a thing because you're a Christian, like, if you do that forever and ever and ever and ever and ever your whole life, like, that's going to be exhausting it might even be embarrassing. Like if, you've ever, like, if you've ever been made fun of for being a Christian, like, here's the thing. Like, we don't really know what persecution's like. We don't know what it's like to be, like, bullied, really, like, in what Paul was going through as a Christian. Like, Christians have died for being Christians, and the worst thing that we might go through is just being made fun of, at worst. Guys, like, it's not hard to be a Christian in this country. But when it comes to being talked about behind your back or being made fun of or not getting invited to a certain thing. Like, if that's going to happen, like, that will get exhausting eventually. And that's why God's like, hey, you need my power to get through it. It's going to be exhausting to be a Christian. It's going to be difficult. You're going to have to say no to some things to be a Christian. But this is why, this is why God's like, hey, so pray for strength as you go through this. Like, here's a question to ask. Like, have you ever asked God for help to say no to some things? Have you ever asked God for help for your friends to say no to some things? Again, this is a prayer from Paul for this church. Being like, hey, I'm praying that you guys will be strong to say no. Or be strong to say yes to Jesus. Whatever it is. And so, friends, like, who's a person that you know that you are friends with that you can pray for because you know they're going through something hard? And it's like, hey, God, will you give them the strength to go through that? Again, doing God's work is hard, but that's why God is the one that then encourages us, and he's the one who gives us the strength and the power to go through it. And so it keeps going. Like, this whole passage is talking about God. This whole thing, God is awesome. And so he tells us his grand plan, what, his, what God's will is. 
He tells us the work that we're going to do. He tells us that we need God's strength to do it, but then notice that it then gives us an incentive. It says, hey, if you do this, here's your reward. Here's why you should do this. And so point number four, God's riches. Why should you do this? It's because of God's riches. There's two things that he points out at the end of this. It's like, hey, you should do this because of this and this. And the first thing is God's riches. Let's look at verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So think about an inheritance for a second. Like what is an inheritance? It is either money or it's treasure or land or a house or it's something that is given to you if you are a child of someone else or if you're an heir of someone else, if you're uh, you know, a son or a daughter of someone else. It's, hey, here's things that you have. You didn't earn it. It's just the perks of being my kid. And this is literally like what this is saying is like, hey, here are, here's the inheritance that you get from God being your father. Now, we could literally talk about <laughs> like the inheritance part for like a whole message. We probably even do a whole series and the crazy thing about how it says father and adoption. And so I'm literally going to cover it in like two minutes. So here we go. The idea that God is our father is crazy. Like the creator, the Lord, the king, the master of the universe, and we get to call him father is wild. Like Christianity is actually the only religion that we get to call God father. Like all the other religions, like the, their fake gods that they are worshiping and they're praying to, not a single one gets to call God Father in the way that we do. Like I, I even looked it up when I was studying this. It's like other religions even like they do, like they use Father, but it's not in the sense of like, like you and your dad. It's like the sense of like he's the beginning of stuff or he's the rule maker of stuff. As in God is just a person who just makes rules and he just started stuff. No, this passage and when, it's, when we get to call God Father is the same way that if you have a dad, you can call him dad. There's an intimacy with this of being able to just kind of like know and like be held and adopted by God. Like, I don't know how much you know, like when it comes to adoption, and I know that everyone's story is different, but when it comes to adoption, you don't pick kids because of what they can provide for you. Like good parents that adopt you, they, they're not like, oh yeah, this one can pay this bill and this one is gonna be an all-star athlete or anything like that. Like adoption doesn't work that way. You don't pick kids because of what they can provide for you, but what you can provide for them. And this is the, this is the picture that this is sharing. It's like with the words of inheritance and father, it's this thing that like God is saying like, hey, you get to, earn, you don't earn it. You get something from God and we could not have earned it at all. It's like the, the, the friends that I made at AMC a couple months ago, or a month ago. They didn't earn nothing. They owed me everything, and I didn't take anything from them. I gave them stuff. I was the one who paid everything. I was the one who could have gotten in trouble. I was the one like, that could have, like literally, I shouldn't have done it. And what's crazy is it's in, in a much greater sense than like what I did. Like God's like, hey, you can't do nothing for me, and I'm going to give you everything. This is why, why we should participate in God's plan. This is why we should do God's work and act and walk and talk like a Christian is because God's like, hey, you get 
everything. My inheritance is eternity with me forever. And if that's not enough, there's a second incentive. The second incentive. Why should we do any of this? Why should you be a Christian? And why should Christians walk and talk and act like Christians? Is point number five. God's forgiveness. Yes, God's inheritance is really nice. You know, heaven, eternity with him and, and perfected everything. Like, yes, like that's awesome. But if that's the only reason why you want to be a Christian or if that's the only reason why you want to follow God is just so you can get heaven, that's not, that's not a good reason. Like, it's the question of like, if you, if you were to die... And you were to go to heaven, but if Jesus wasn't there, would you be okay? Like, what would you say to that? Like, if you were to go to heaven, but Jesus wasn't in heaven, would you still want to go to heaven? Because here's the truth. Heaven did not pay for my sins. Heaven has not walked with me for eternity. Like, has not walked with me in my lowest moments from the times when there was depression or the times when there was divorce or the times whenever like friends abandoned me and I just felt alone and like all, all the things like heaven wasn't there for me. Jesus was. And so in verse 13, this is what it's saying. Sorry, yeah, 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption. Redemption meaning it's like he bought it back. The forgiveness of sins. This is, the, this is the picture that it's sharing. And if you read like Ephesians 2, the first couple verses, how it describes it is like, hey, we were dead people before God. We were a slave to, it calls us like children of Satan. That's how the Bible describes people who don't follow Jesus. And what happens is then God rescues us. If you've placed faith in Jesus, you are a Christian. You have followed Jesus. You've surrendered everything. He's the Lord of your life. It says that you are a new creation and he has rescued us from the domain of darkness. We're no longer a child of Satan, but we're now a beloved son, a child of God. That, this is the kind of picture that shares. It's not just we're a child of God. Like, all of our sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. But how did that forgiveness take place? Like, the reason why Jesus came and died was because he didn't just passively forgive your sins. He died because that was the only payment possible for sins. So when he was dying, yes, it was horribly painful to die a crucifixion, but he literally took on all of the wrath of God that was deserving on us, and he took it instead. And so this is the incentive. Why would you ever want to be a Christian? Why would you want to talk and walk like a Christian? Why would you want to get rid of junk in your life? And why would you want to follow God? Why would you want to learn more about God and his word? Why would you want to do anything like that? Because if he really did forgive your sins, why wouldn't you? Friends, I promise you, there is nothing else in this world that was a better incentive than Jesus forgiving your sins. If there's anything else, why should I follow God? If, if forgiving your sins is not top of the list, then you don't really have a good enough reason. Everything else is going to go away. Everything else is going to go away. But if Jesus really forgave your sins forever and ever and ever, that is enough.
And that is why Paul's like, hey, so if you have been forgiven, then walk in the manner worthy of the calling that you have been called. So, what are we going to do? Again, if, if you are a Christian, what are you going to do tomorrow as a Christian? If you are not a Christian, but you have never, like meaning like you have never experienced the forgiveness of your sins, that can happen tonight. Talk to your small group leader. And if you're not a Christian, here's the thing, friends, like, you are still in, as this says, the domain of darkness. I don't, yeah, the domain of darkness. Hebrew, uh, Ephesians 2. Like, you are a slave and a child to, to wrath. But if you're forgiven, if you are a child of God, there's freedom. There's redemption. There's forgiveness. There's an inheritance. There's an adoption. So what are we going to do? You guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Um, Heavenly Father, uh, we love you so much. Um, God, I don't know why um, you would forgive me. I don't know why you would forgive my friends. I don't know why you would uh, pick <laughs> uh, the method of Jesus dying um, for me. And God, I know I'm not alone, but like I know that it seems like every single time that like I sin or, or we sin, it's just like spitting in the face of Jesus. Like we were the ones that actually hung him on the tree and God, like we're just not worthy. We're not, we're so unworthy. And yet you still picked us. Um, you still adopted us. You have still forgiven us. And I don't, it doesn't make sense. And so, God, I pray for my friends in the room who have tasted the forgiveness that you have uh, given them. God, I pray that we would live like it, that we would love others. We would walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have called us with. But God, if there is a person in here who has never been forgiven from their sins, you know, like your word says, they are an enemy of you. God, I pray, please, would you make them restless? Would you, get, you know, literally bless them with no sleep? Make, like, just everything possible so that they can just see how amazing and beautiful you are. God, open their eyes to your beauty and your majesty and your power and your grace and all, all of the things, God. Pray that tonight would be the night for some. Literally, if there's anyone that doesn't know you, God, I pray tonight would be the night. And if tonight's not the night, God, I pray that you would just do whatever it takes for them to experience the forgiveness that you have readily available for them. God, you're awesome. I really, there's not really a better English word than just you're awesome. Please give us your power and your strength this week as we go do your stuff. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.